I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to an all-new series? Season. The Behind the Glass podcast. No, not season. Series. Series. This is uh, episodes dedicated to all things Formula One. All right. Now, those of you that are huge fans of Tony, don't worry. He's not being replaced. (laughs) He's coming back. The usual weekly episode of this podcast will continue. But Tony's not a huge Formula One fan. He's not. And also his arguments sometimes are a little bit suspect. I mean, in every category, but especially when it comes to Formula One. (laughs) But I'm a huge Formula One fan and I am desperate to talk about Formula One more across any of my channels, but especially here on the podcast. So I have created this new... I I haven't got the name for it yet, this new... Have you done a new intro though? Behind the Grid. No, this is super raw. I will do a new intro. Hopefully in time... Well, no, maybe not in time for this episode going out. (laughs) (laughs) But there will be a different intro. It's going to be a whole separate... Thing. I'm excited to see it. Well, <laughs> I hope you are. Um, Paul Wallace is my guest this week. I mean, yeah, I should, probably should have introduced you earlier. Now, I've got to be honest, you're only here because you're the only person I could get on short notice. No, actually, I'm only here because the person that was supposed to be here can't turn up today. Literally that. <laughs> um, I feel so loved. So unlike the main show, where obviously it's Tony and I, and uh, very occasionally we are joined by guests, uh, the guest here on the F1 show will be rotating. So every week, every episode is going to be slightly different. I, I say every week. It's not going to be every week. Every race. Every race. There you go. That's exactly it. So after each race, I'll be jumping on to the podcast to chat and react about the race. And I'll be joined by different people. Paul, a fellow F1 fan. We've done a lot of F1 content over the years. It felt appropriate to have you here, even if you weren't the first choice (laughs) for this episode. Um, So yeah, as I say, that's kind of the the prelim. I I think I understand that not everyone's into F1, but I feel like the F1 audience is growing. It is. I think that the American takeover has helped with giving people access. Before it was just, oh, we get to see the race. We don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. We're definitely not going to be allowed to go to the race or see anything that happens in the grid. But now I just feel like cameras are allowed everywhere. We're getting closer to the drivers. We're getting more access. Drive to Survive is definitely bringing in a whole new audience of new motorsport fans. And I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, that's exactly it. So hopefully lots of you will be interested in this. And as I say, today we're kicking things off with our season preview. All right. Because testing has just happened. Three days of testing. That's all we're getting this year. That's it. Usually you have weeks and weeks. Back in the years, you had months and months. But that's it. Three days of testing. Finito. And we've now got a two-week break before the first race. So it felt like the perfect time to kick off 
this, this new series. This is the series. first time ever that they've done testing and the first race on the same track? I couldn't say okay. if it's the first time ever, ever. but it's definitely but a change. In a long, in a long time. Yeah, because usually or in recent years, we've had testing in Barcelona and Spain, or at least in parts of Europe. Mm. And then the first race traditionally over in Australia, or yes, uh, we have had Bahrain kicking off the season before. So yeah, it's a, it's a totally different way of going about things. I actually think it's kind of good. I think it's kind of exciting because it feels like, firstly, it's all happening quite quickly. The first race is in two weeks. That's brilliant. Yeah. And because all of the testing was streamed on Sky F1 and on F1's YouTube channels, you could watch it all. I mean, I literally had it on all weekend. <laughs> so did I. So nerdy. And then, like, at 9.30 on the Sunday, it was like, drive, drive to survive. Coming soon. Oh, no, no, no. It was on Sky Sports. Oh, yeah. Season one and two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Season three, though, comes out on Friday. Yeah. Banging. Even more hype for the races. Oh, so much F1 <laughs> things to talk about. <laughs> so you mentioned it, and I would have to agree... I'm excited by this year. I didn't think I would be because I always went, oh, 2021, what's the point? It's a bit of a weird holding year before the new regulations come in. The cars fundamentally aren't really changing. They're going to look the same. They're probably going to go the same. But if testing is anything, which it never is. <laughs> never <laughs> get never caught is. up with the times that we see on the screen. It suggests that there could be some excitement ahead. But why, before testing, why were you excited about the prospect of 2021? I think it's all of the driver changes this year. They just seem to be bigger than most years in the past. Last season, I think, was probably the most exciting season that we've had. But I think that comes down to the Wait, fact- had ever? No, no, no. no. In, <laughs> in a long time. In a while. <laughs> but I think that came from our expectations were so low because we didn't even expect a season to take place du during the pandemic. Um so I kind of feel a little bit nervous going into this season with all of the excitement, but we've got rookies, we've got old names coming back, we've got old names, but sons of the old names coming <laughs> in. Like, there's just so much that I think we can focus on in a race. It's not just going to be a case of, oh, I wonder what strategy they're going to pull. Red Bull obviously look incredibly fast in testing as well. Mercedes had a terrible testing, but we all know that they just sandbag. <laughs> um, so there just seems to be so much going on and obviously, we've got new racetracks. Last year, that was proof that we needed new racetracks. So to think that they're coming back for this year as well. This is the last year before the new regulations come into 2022, right? So I just feel like it's going to be a last hurrah for those cars and potentially some drivers. Oh, oh, oh that's a big teaser. Exclusive. Hello. <laughs> um, you're so right, though. I mean, I think... Last year really was the year of the midfield mm. because, you know, Mercedes and especially Lewis did romp away with it. And there were some up and down races, but fundamentally it was a show of his his skill and Mercedes ability. Um, but the real action, the real excitement was in the midfield and those upset races where Gasly won, mm. where Perez won. And then also the, the fights, the battles between a McLaren and a Racing Point and a Renault and whoever it might be. And I think it sort of, it feels like it's building to a crescendo this year because obviously the performance... Uh, sort of changes shouldn't be night and day. You know, the cars are all evolutions of their predecessors, fundamentally. McLaren making one of the biggest changes, switching engine supplier. Mm. Um, but yeah, it should really bunch everything up and therefore it just feels a bit more aggressive. And then in, in between that, we've then got driver changes, like major <laughs> yeah. driver changes. So yeah, lots to discuss, lots to analyse. We are, of course, going to touch on testing, but experienced F1 fans will know you really can't read much into testing. It is testing like as much as the headlines suggested that mercedes had a disaster and we will analyze that lewis hampton came out and said that this is the perfect time for these things to go wrong because you are essentially trying things uh, 
trying to make things go wrong. That's the whole point, especially if you've got a really solid car. It's like, well, right, we've got three days of free running. <laughs> Should we just put the tires on back to front, see what yeah, happens? Yeah. Let's, and if it, let's just try and break the car. Yeah, because then you learn something new. Like, you know, if you're a fan of Will Smith, he always says like, seek failure. Like get out there and seek failure and then you'll learn and you'll be able to improve yourself. And that's kind of what testing's all about. So to sit there and go, oh, well, oh my God, Yuki Tsunoda's going to be second in the championship. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, people can't get ahead of that. But I'm also, uh, I can be accused of doing that because it's exciting. You want to read into stuff. So before we get into it, and we're literally just going to run through team by team, driver by driver, and sort of how they performed in testing. A quick shout out to the F1 store. So unbelievably, partnered up for this new series. Uh, and well, uh, There's things coming. Okay. As I say, we're kind of, I'm kickstarting this series early because I wanted to talk about testing. Okay. This isn't supposed to be starting until the first race. So I'm jumping the gun on a lot of these things. I don't care. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so as you can see, we've got a whole lot of hats. These are actually my personal hats, especially the Decra Schumacher hat. That's a prize possession. Um, but of course, now 2021 F1 merch or the team merch, driver merch, everything like that, all available on the F1 store. I'll put a link below. You can go and check it out. And yes, in future episodes, uh, hopefully we're going to be doing some various discounts and incentives and early access and things like that. So keep your eyes peeled but if like me you want to get all your t-shirts and your merch before the first race so that you're ready to support whoever you want to support jump on the site and go and check that out so should we go i think like all we should, uh, always we should go back to front right and and sort of run through the teams from the reverse of the grid or from what we think is going to be the back of the grid so mercedes first yes <laughs> <laughs> you're giving too much away for those who don't know what happened in testing so we have to kick off with well the team who came last last year williams mm. Not a huge change into well, driver lineup hasn't changed at all. Still yeah. Latifi and Russell. The car, again, we suspect a bit of an evolution because not huge amounts of money, but new owners. Mm. It is still Williams, but no Williams family members now running that team. How, because you came into the sport a little bit later than me, all of my Williams memories and Yes and no, because back in the day when I came into F1 was like 2000, 2001, when Williams was Ralph Schumacher, one Pablo Fair. And that livery to me is still like my favourite livery. So when you think of Williams, you think of the BMW era. Yeah. Although I did have a little bit of a five-year gap before coming back into F1 more present. Fine. Okay, so for, for me, it's probably more the, the Rothman era with Villeneuve and Hill and things like oh, that. Yeah. So, so yeah, anyway... Fundamentally, how, do you care? Like, it, like when you see that the Williams are gone, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about that team? I think actually to bring that family aspect out of it, of course, it's sad that they don't have that connection. But at the same time, I think the new owners are going to be coming in with a completely different perspective that hopefully will propel them in the future. Obviously, there's so many different building the foundations and starting from the ground up. But the fact that they've got George Russell, we know what a talent he is to have him still driving there. Obviously, it helps Mercedes AMG to just keep him fresh in a Formula One car. I think the car looks great. I think the livery looks good. And I also like what they were saying that they're not going after all of the big sponsor names to just cake the car. They want to just have it as a Williams car. And I think that's just quite pure and quite nice to see. Um, but I do think over the last couple of years, they just were going downhill. So I'd like to think now this is like the bottom. They're bottoming out here and on the rise. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at uh, the McLaren story over the last mm. five or six years, you know, what a turnaround that they've been able to achieve with a similar heritage and a similar sort of skill set, you would say. And I think actually, controversially, it was a good thing that the Williams team have gone. Mm. Because I think, as we know, uh, Sir Frank pretty uninvolved towards the latter stages. And Claire, 
as talented as she might have been and all the experience she might have had, it didn't feel like she was leading that team in the right direction. Whether that was not necessarily her specific fault in the sense that maybe it was people underneath her, but but as team principal, it's her job to hire and, and move those people around. So... I, I sense positivity, but maybe it's all of us a bit like going, well, we just want Williams to yeah, do good. It's like, just you know. us willing them on. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's all going to fall apart, but let's keep our fingers crossed. There is some signs of progress. I think from testing, it, it hinted that maybe that car's going to be a little bit more closer to that to that midfield bunch and at least above Haas, which we'll move on to in a second. Mm. So that's got to be good, but I don't think we're expecting miracles this year. It's a long game we're looking at for Williams, at least a five-year sort of program to get them, you know, back up to the, you know, maybe towards podium places. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it would just be nice to see them having some on-track battles. Yeah. If that is with Haas yeah. or uh, an Aston Martin car. I don't know. That's his, oh, oh, bloody hell, out of nowhere. <laughs> um, uh, George Russell, do we think, has already got a 2022 Mercedes contract? No. No, really? You don't think it? No, I don't think. I don't think oh, so. Wow. I think. I think that space is still wide open. I don't think Mercedes would lock that in right now. Oh wow! Oh, I assume it's a. I think it's done. Yeah. I think one seat is to is Russell, or at least I think they have the option, like a, a pre-signed option. I think something like that might be in place, but it's definitely not a case of swap in, swap out. From this moment now, it's agreed that that's what's going to happen. I think anything can change this season. You're probably right. The fact that both Mercedes drivers are out of contract at the end of the year, going into 2022, we have no idea what the driver lineup is. Pretty crazy. My quick question to you before we move on, because we'll come back to this when we talk about Mercedes, is if Hamilton retires and Russell replaces Mm. him theoretically, would you still put Bottas against Russell? Mm. Let's come back to that when we get on to Mercedes. <laughs> okay, so moving on to Haas, we teased about it slightly. Uh, obviously, all new lineup at Haas. Yeah. Grosh jeans and uh, Magnussen gone. All new livery, which we're going to touch on. <laughs> Replaced by Nikita Mazepin, controversial figure, mm-hmm. and Mick Schumacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, the return of MSC. <laughs> Hit me right in the fields when testing kicked off. And on the timing screens, we had MSC, which were the same three initials that Michael Schumacher, his father, seven-time world champion, uh, used to use. There's uh, so many fields to oh. this. Because it's coming into his first race in a Formula One car. He's at the same age as Michael Schumacher's first Formula One race. There are just so many worlds colliding and aligning at the same time. I don't think that's by chance, by the way. (laughs) I think some forces have been at play. Um, Well, let's talk about Mick first, actually, because Nikita, well, we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Now, I want this... I want every success from Mick Schumacher being, I mean, Michael Schumacher is my hero. I even remember footage of Mick Schumacher bouncing around the paddock and at the pit from when I was watching Michael race. Wow. Like, I, I, like I, it's just so cool. And it's, it's all coming together. The guy seems very nice. However, mm. two things. Firstly, I think he might be one of the least convincing Formula 2 champions we've had in a long time. If you look at a Leclerc, if you look at a Gazda, if you look at any sort of up-and-comers in the last recent few years who've come from F2, they've dominated, or at least they've been uber-competitive. Whilst Mick Schumacher, yes, he was the champion, but I think he only got two victories in the end and no pole positions, and in his second year. Leclerc, I'm pretty sure, did one year in F2, got like 58 pole positions and a ton of victory. destroyed it. And Mick, I don't know if it was the group he was competing with, which... I I wonder whether it was the grid quality. Because there are a lot of fast guys in F2. And Mick Schumacher, 
I think in a way it shows how tenacious he might be out on track. Because if, if you're dominating, do you really have that motivation? Because every race weekend you're going into, you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat these guys. But he literally was coming in every single, every single race weekend on his toes. He knew that he needed to perform. Mm. And whilst he didn't get the results, maybe that is because of the group competitiveness. But the fact that he still won. Well, he, he was very Alain Prost, Fernando Alonso mentality of amass points. Mm just a mass point and consistency but I mean, it took him a while to get there mm. he had some very dodgy results in the first year in f2 and then the first half of the year a lot of bad luck and and again i don't know there's just a, an inconsistency and it seems to just take him some of that time to find his speed and his ability and it worries me going into formula one because it's a cruel old sport f1 and all the pressure and all the attention however by sticking him into Haas, <laughs> yeah. i think ferrari have really being geniuses here because it does look like the Haas is going to be seriously uncompetitive mm. this year. They've already come out and said that they're basically going to do no development with that car. All their focus is on 2022 because of financial resources, etc. So maybe it's the perfect learning ground for Schumacher. He can just sit there quietly no at the back, no pressure. All he's got to do is try and beat Mazepin, which he should based on F2 results. Yeah. If Mazepin lasts the season, which he will. Um, <laughs> So as long as he can, he's got that time to figure himself out so that then, which is what I suspect in 2022, if he moves up to the Alfa Romeo seat to replace Raikkonen or Giovinazzi, then he's got a more solid grounding. And that's when he should, based on his previous experience, start to prove himself a bit more. Hopefully. I mean, who isn't willing him on to succeed in Formula One? The last thing that we want to see is him go into an Alfa Romeo in his first season, fall on his face, and then all of a sudden lose his prospect for future drive. So to put him into the Haas, I mean, it is a little bit... I mean, he's just driving in a car that's got the Russian livery. I mean, it's just all, I just feel like it's really awkward to see him, with his name, drive that car. It's a bit of a low blow, isn't it, to the Schumacher name? But it shows what you have to do in racing to get a drive. Exactly that, even if you have the Schumacher name. Yeah. So yeah, let's come on to it, the sort of the more controversial angle. So his teammate, Nikita Mazepin, uh, been sort of knocking around rumours about him sort of being involved with Formula One or trying to get a job in Formula One for, for a while now, mainly because of uh, his father, mm. who has been very keen as well to get involved with Formula One. Uh, big uh, Russian oligarch, I guess we'd call it. Yeah. Uh, and essentially has bought Haas. It's n- nothing has been said. No words have been mentioned. There's not been any press releases. It, it seems to be very quiet. But I think that's the way that Russians like to do business just in general. Off the record, he's essentially yeah. bought house. Yeah. Um, so that's why Nikita Mazepin, despite his off-track activities, which have been fairly shocking and horrific, is going nowhere. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think there were a lot of calls in the off-season for him to lose his seat because of some of the stuff that he was doing off-track. Um, but it's just not going to happen. His dad yeah. owns the team. So yeah. it's, just, it's, a, it's a similar story in, from a financial and F1 entry point of view to Stroll. And I mean, look at Stroll in the first season. He was so heavily criticised. Ah, oh, his dad bought the seat. And then he crashed out of Monaco. And he was like, oh, it's much easier on the PlayStation. Yeah. And no one, <laughs> no one thought that it was funny. But he was just this kid yeah. that had been shoved in because his dad had all of this money. And now look at him. Like, I actually really enjoy watching Stroll battle on field. He's been, Do you? Yeah, he's been collecting a lot of oh points. Oh, my God, shut up. No, no, no. When he gets on the podium, I'm like, go on. Because he's, no. he, yeah, he's proving the critics wrong oh. Oh, he's just that rich dad 
Okay, I get that side of it, but I still dislike him heavily. Uh, I do think he doesn't like being there on the. I weekend don't think he wants to be. I don't <laughs> no, think he wants to be a Formula no, One driver. No, I think he does. I just don't think he likes doing all of the media and the press interviews because every time I see them. He just looks so disinterested. Looks furious. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. But it's the same as Verstappen or... Yeah, or like those it's got to be hell. They just, they just love racing. Yeah, who wants to sit there and answer the same question 50 times over yeah. in a press pen? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so basically the thing that came out when Haas launched their car... Now... <laughs> I actually quite like the livery. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look bad until you actually realise... It's the Russian flag. Yeah. So, uh, I think I don't think they've admitted that yet. I think they're still saying it's the colours of the American flag, because obviously... Technically is. It's an American team. <laughs> uh, it technically is, but it is the Russian flag. And it is now actually think, being investigated by one of the sporting bodies, because uh, because of various controversies with Russia in sport, they're not allowed to have the Russian flag anywhere at the yeah. moment. So, oh, it's all just a bit of a mess. And it's unfortunately... They're not the dark side, but the cold, hard reality of Formula One, which is money talks. Mm -hmm. And it's always been the case in the sport. If you if you haven't watched Formula One for a long time, money talks. That that's just it. And and so we're always going to see things like this. And let's see if it lasts for the season. I suspect it will. Um, but the cars, I think, unfortunately, will be lapping at the back. And and yeah. let's let's see how it goes. Let's just hope Williams beat them. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind that, of that would be cool. I think that would be nice to see. Yeah. I think that would be really nice to see. So we move on to Alfa Romeo. Mm -hmm. I think potentially one of the best looking cars on the grid. Yeah, yeah, I really love the look of the new Alfa Romeo. Again, no change up in their lineup. Uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. I think Giovinazzi kind of had some solid results yeah. in the last year. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he does a good-ish job. Feels the grid. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think the problem is he should be dominating Raikkonen, shouldn't mm. he? I mean, you know, Kimi brilliant and the fact that he's still racing at 85 years old <laughs> and still pulling off the old amazing result I'm getting, still getting drunk every weekend still getting wasted <laughs> but Giovinazzi should be absolutely just yeah you'd, trashing you'd him. think the, the younger talent the more hungry driver he should be out there proving himself every week to be like come on guys like look what i can do yeah exactly yeah. that so we'll see they did look a little bit competitive in testing but i don't think we could read much into it i think they'll still be sort of at the latter end of the midfield but we'll have to wait and see I'm glad they're there. Oh, I'd just be happy to watch that car go around in slow motion. Yeah, it's just super, some, just super pretty. Nice, just some nice slow-mo cuts of it go around the corner. You're so right. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully some funny Kimmy radio. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. if he can pull out some cool results every now and again. He's just a fan favourite, isn't he? Let's hope he doesn't yeah. go anywhere. But I do sniff that maybe this might this be his last, last year. Season. Potentially, we'll have to wait and see. So then we come on to quite a big story from testing, which is Alpha Tauri. Mm, they Obviously, were, They were quick. I mean, impressive across the board. Mm. Uh, junior Red Bull team, previously Toro Rosso, now running as AlphaTauri for the second year. Uh, slightly, well, change in driver lineup. We've got Gasly still there, now a race a winner. Proper talent. Oh my God, I've got, yeah. a, I've got a, an idea about what's happening with Gasly's future. Uh, and Tsunoda, Yuki mm. Tsunoda. Yeah. First Japanese driver for years. Yeah, I know. It's been so long. Uh, and of course, he's kind of been helped into that seat by Honda, yep. who we now know are leaving the sport, but still running this year. But it's already, I mean, people are on the hype train for Tsunoda. <laughs> yeah. He put in some very impressive laps on the last day of testing. And I think we, as I say, we don't know what fuel they're running, what setup they're running, what engine modes they're running. The point being, he bashed out, I think, four consecutively fast purple laps. And purple, mm. I mean, quickest lap times. Yeah. And he was chasing down Verstappen. And it, that, it was the consistency, I think, that impressed me. Because I say, we don't know what he's doing, but to keep the tires alive, to be able to sort of improve yourself, 
not make mistakes. I think that's what the guys were saying that were commentating. So we had Crofty, we had Karun, we had Will Bucks, and we had a, a whole host of people. And do you know what I loved about testing is how relaxed they were? Yeah, yeah, it was super Dur- laid back. During a race, you're obviously limited to the amount of laps that's going on to fill as much action as possible and present the viewer with all of the analytics. But during the testing, it's like three hours and they're on air and they're talking about how big their TV is. <laughs> yeah. the they're talking about Literally. all sorts of- Did you go to the lobby in the hotel last night? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when it actually got into the nitty gritty, especially with Sonoda's laps, they were talking about how his ability, his age and experience to manage tyres is is levels above the other people of his age with his experience. And what they're saying is hopefully what we're going to see is firstly a rival to Gasly in that team, but also like a really exciting rookie coming in this season and actually being quite competitive. So uh, the guy who was supposed to be here with me for this episode, uh, Sam, who's a trainer, used to train Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz, et cetera, et cetera. He'll be joining me for a future episode. I was texting him about Sonoda because uh, I think either he's worked with him or he knows him very well. And he said, the thing about Sonoda that's impressive is he is completely moldable in a sort of do or die mentality where if someone says to him, oh, Rouge is flat, he'll be like, okay. <laughs> like, so if they say to him, those tires will last 35 laps, he'll be like, okay. Uh, yeah. Like, like he just, whatever the engineers say to him, he will do. Yeah. So if he comes back into the pits and they say, you can break 50 meters later, he'll be like, okay. <laughs> that's uh, the coolest uh, thing and, ever. And just bosses it. And so from that point of view, I think we've seen him get up to speed very quickly because he doesn't question anything. He believes everything that's being told of him and he just goes out there and does it. He's clearly very efficient. and Could be quite dangerous. Could be a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> but let's wait and see it. You're yeah, right. It's yeah. a really, I think it's exciting potential. He is tiny. Yeah. He's about three foot tall. <laughs> I mean, he's honestly the, the smallest. size for a Formula uh, One driver. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Got a little yeah. cushion in there to just prop him up over the steering wheel. Oh, literally, could you imagine if he had a booster seat? It'd be so horrible. <laughs> uh, but Gasly so grew, grew into his own last yeah. year. I mean, he, this second era with Toro Rosso, sorry, Alpha Tauri, he's just becoming this such a rounded driver. And then that victory last year, I think a lot of potential, which we all saw early on. He just had that disastrous Red Bull stint. Um, which was the pressure, really. Well, I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but with Sunoda, if Sunoda can get in there and start matching Gasly straight away, what an exciting yeah. pairing. And that AlphaTauri looks solid and quick and reliable. I think they could be right up there now in that mix with McLaren, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Alpine. Uh, yeah. It's going to be such, I mean, it's going to be chaos, but brilliant. <laughs> um, and I think on Gasly, what I was saying earlier is, I reckon that, again, this might be his last year with the team because okay. I think he's moving up. I think he's potentially going to replace Ocon at Alpine. I think that's my shout, to get another French driver in. I think Ocon, yes, he had a slightly better year last year, but it wasn't impressive. Mm. And again, with Alonso, it's that same thing with Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. Okay, he's Alonso. He's the greatest, the goat. (laughs) But Ocon has to match him. Yeah. If not, beat him. Mm. If Alonso comes in and trashes Ocon, see you later, mate. Yeah. And I I think Alpine would be willing to pay big bucks for Gasly in in because I remember years ago when Gasly was first about to come into Toro Rosso I was working with Infinity and Renault yeah uh, when they were an F1 team sponsors and they were all talking about Gasly as in like Gasly 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 so let's wait and see inside scoop inside scoop that's my prediction is that an upgrade though from a car potentially not from a car that he feels really comfortable driving and it's kind of it's built around him but do you not think Alpine, brackets Renault, yeah. have only come into the sport to win it? Mm. And a bit like Mercedes have probably thrown absolutely everything at 2022. 
Mm, maybe, maybe. I don't think Alonso would have come back if he thought he was going to be in a very uncompetitive car. He's too too much of a diva. Yeah. He just would have got like, so they've had to have told him. And I think with Danny Rick, I think that's, I think that's why Danny Rick made that move. But it Not, just didn't happen quick enough. It didn't happen quick yeah. enough. I mean, there was a lot, of, a lot of money in there as well. Yeah. But I think, you know, that was the promise. Look what Hamilton did with Mercedes. He saw the future. Look what how it turned out. That's what we're doing for 2022. Obviously, that was supposed to be 2021. Yeah. That got delayed. Yeah. So, you know, I just feel like Alpine might come out with a pretty next saucy year. car next year. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, it'd be cool to see. Um, moving up the grid, though. <laughs> Unbelievably. It's Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> moving mean, what a, slightly up what the grid. What a shocker they had last on year. on an equal level. <laughs> so bad. I mean, Ferrari, what? Yeah. Um, go on. I was just going to say it's it's kind of sad as a as a as a general neutral Formula One fan. You want Ferrari to be up there? I just want Ferrari. It's yeah. Ferrari. It's Ferrari. Um, <laughs> big news for Ferrari, of course, is Carlos Sainz coming in. Oh, I thought you were going to say they put a green logo on their car. Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> Does, I was so excited for that livery. I was like, guys, it's coming. It's going to be dark red. It's going to be gloss. Yeah, they, be- te- they teased that it was going to be gloss, oh and then I god. saw it on testing. I was like, disaster. Looks quite nice though. Yeah, the car's does, quite it, pretty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, testing hard one to read. It didn't suggest that there was a lot of progress there. They did come out and say that it wouldn't be until 2022, 2023 that they'd be back challenging podium and race victories. So this is kind of like a... Holding year. Yeah. If they can make some steps forward, great. But I'm not expecting huge things. No, I'm just intrigued to see how Sainz performs in a car that's kind of the same as Leclerc. More just to see how fast Leclerc is. Because we saw real sparks of talent because we know how fast he is we know how mm-hmm. fast he is but last year last season he was racing in a car that just wasn't competitive but then out of nowhere he'd come and qualify fourth and you're like what <laughs> who is this yeah. so he is an absolute speed demon um and i questioned immediately when they announced science that science just wasn't fast enough or had that sort of collateral to be a Ferrari driver. But I don't think Ferrari really had much of a choice. It's such an interesting one. Firstly, I think you're so right. For me right now, Hamilton, Verstappen and Leclerc are the mm. three top drivers in F1. I think. I mean, you know, of course, there's a smattering of other incredible talent, like Danny Rick, I always think of, but, but those three are a level above because they're drivers, and this is always, for me, the proof that can perform in cars that, can't perform as in they add something to those cars and we've seen it pretty much in all cases Verstappen okay he's always had a relatively decent car you could argue the same with Hamilton but they've had dodgy seasons dodgy years or races when they shouldn't have been that competitive and they outperform the car they add tense things that their teammates can't do like me in most cars I drive actually absolutely (laughs) that it's exactly you rolled up in a Persia today and I went no one could drive a Persia like that man right there But you're right. So Leclerc's got that. And I think we're all excited to see where it could go for him. Science, it's such a weird one. And you're so right. We saw this kind of like mega pairing of Science and Norris at McLaren. Yeah. Felt so in McLaren are going places. Yeah. These are two young guys. They're fine. And across a season, Science was always very impressive, mm. especially in the latter half of a year, especially that year when he would get P5 in 2019. I think it was P5 in the championship. Must have been because he, yeah, oh, P, yeah, P5. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Super I was about 2020. Oh, uh, yeah, no, so the year about, before, yeah, yeah, year before. Um, so super, super impressive. He is fast. He's really, really fast. And consistent and solid. And but Spanish. But you're right, in Spanish. But you're <laughs> right. There's something about it where I don't look at him and go, oh, yeah, you're going to walk all over Leclerc. Like, it's something in the back of his thinks you're a bit of a Rubens Barrichello. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, he'll get race victories if he stays yeah, there long yeah, enough. He'll yeah. get race victories. He might even get some pole positions. Yeah. 
And maybe we're all wrong, and I'm convinced he is sitting there, not fussed about any of it, convinced and determined to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. Like, like I, I think he thinks, oh, I, I got this. And we have to remember against Verstappen at Toro Rosso, he was uber competitive. Uber, uber competitive. But maybe it's just because of the cars that we've seen him in and the teammates we've seen him up against. We haven't really... It's either going to say... I mean, we're going to come on to McLaren as well, but what will it say about Norris? I mean, if Sainz is up there with Leclerc, God, what's that going to say about Norris? I mean... If, yeah, give Norris a faster car. There's a lot of excitement. And this is what you're saying, you know, for going into this year. This is why I think we're all excited and frothing at the mouth of the season because of these questions that we want to have answered. Yeah. It always takes four, five, six races for these new drivers to usually get up to speed in new cars. So it's going to be across the season that we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what people think. Is Science going to be a rival for Leclerc? Or, or just a number two? A Ferrari gone. You are mega consistent across the season. We love that. Get him in yeah, the car. Yeah, we just need points. Because Leclerc does still make mistakes. Yeah. Every now and he's, again. He's so, like, for, for I mean kind of the same as Max Verstappen, but Verstappen seems to be maturing faster than Leclerc. I feel like Leclerc has got the ability to lose his head in a race. Yeah, like, I'm totally Just, just get so hot-headed and, yep. and frustrated, ignore team orders, and just go after the race win, which is what you want in a driver, but at the same time, it's a team sport. Ferrari want those points. They don't want cars crashing together. Like He needs that maturity, because yeah. if you look at Verstappen, when he when the, when it felt like the ball dropped whenever it was end of 2019 or mid-2019, yeah. since then, he has just been so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see if it's going to happen, but maybe science will help add that because maybe Leclerc will feel that pressure that he's got to he's got to bring his general level or the consistency up because mm. well, obviously with Vettel being all over the place the last few years, <laughs> yeah, Leclerc will be like, oh, yeah, I just yeah. dropped it one race. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Seb's dropped it in four. <laughs> <laughs> one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, okay, so Alpine, which is obviously Renault, but rebranded to Alpine, which, you know, this is, Alpine have a lot of motorsport heritage, so I'm oh, kind yeah. of, I'm all for it. Mm. Does it lose a little bit of the credibility of having manufacturers in the sport? 
I think sometimes, because mm. obviously if you don't know motorsport, you might go Alpine, like yeah, what's Alpine? Yeah, yeah. But obviously Alpine, you know, and the car looked good. The car does look I think, good. I think the livery looks cool. They've got two drivers that obviously know how to race. I think they've got experience. I mean, we all know they've got experience. I'm talking about Fernando Alonso there. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to see how he'll perform. Uh, given how much the sport has moved on since he last raced, obviously he's gone off and done Indy 500 and and WEG World Endurance Championship and everything like that. So and the Dakar <laughs> Joker, really? Yeah, when with Toyota? Oh my god, madman! Yeah, I mean it's just proof that he just loves racing. Just loves racing. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not like overly excited or expecting them to do anything this year. I'm just like, okay, cool, another good looking car on the grid. I'm not on a. I'm not. Oh, this is going to be controversial. This is a Tony. This is a Tony statement because I've not really got anything. I'm not really an Alonso fan. No, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I just literally distorted my microphone. I have never been an Alonso fan. Yeah, like, and I don't get the hype. No. I'm just like you know. I get I it. He's likable. Like he's obviously. I likeable. think he's unlikable. I don't like the guy's arrogant. Mm. The way he walks around the paddock and like this whole like I'm coming back to the sport. Like have me. Like I'm the, the goat has returned. Like the whole indie thing was so up himself and it yeah, all went horribly yeah, wrong. And yeah. hey, look, he's a clearly a talented driver, but he he is a cancer to teams. We've seen it mm, over and yeah, over again. Yeah. He's very disruptive. Alpine going, I mean, it's a big move from Alpine. This whole like, you know, and Renault, we're trying to resurge ourselves to the top. And rather than bringing in someone like a Gasly and, and pushing forward with young talent, they've gone back to Alonso, which, okay, you could argue the one team he didn't, self-destruct in was yeah, Renault, but yeah. then we do remember the crash gate with Briatori and Piquet <laughs> in Singapore. So, you know, I mean, let's see how this unfolds. I think the one thing that the commentators were picking up on uh, during the testing was how insanely consistent Alonso was from day one. Uh, and he was metronomic. still running like a jaw, Metal a jaw injury that he yeah. still needed an operation on. They're like, he's still like, imagine how uncomfortable that'd be for a helmet. Unreal, right? Because he had this there, accident during yeah. off season. Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm like, I'm sort of not fussed. I'll yeah. almost be annoyed if he gets a podium. Because, <laughs> like, it's a bit like, I love Hulkenberg, but it's a bit like Hulkenberg. Yeah. When he came, it's like, it suggests to me that getting up to speed in an F1 car, if you're a decent driver, not that hard. Yeah. Obviously, it's that final couple of tenths that, you know, really prove it. But, yeah, well, let's wait and see. But anyway. Either that, not that hard or just very talented. I love his helmet. The retro helmet from Alonso. I've seen it. Oh, it's like back into his old 2005, uh, okay, 2006 cool. Renault helmet. I just got so. spammed with um, Lewis Hamilton's helmet. Just yeah, everywhere, everywhere on my explore feed. Yeah. Probably because you were liking all the pictures. <laughs> retweet, retweet. Oh, why am I seeing so much of this? Um, so let's see how Alonso gets on. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, yeah. if he, you know... <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. So I was kind of hoping you'd just skip Alpine. But. Yeah, okay, well, let's move on. Aston Martin. Aston Martin. If there was ever a really exciting brand to come into Formula One that's not Aston Porsche, uh, it's Aston Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is so cool. And I think a lot of the preseason hype was around Aston returning mm. and obviously Vettel's move to Aston. Um, hugely competitive last year as Racing Point with the pink Mercedes. I think people thought, well, here we go. Yeah, This is going the right place. Mm. But they had a bit of a messy testing. It was, it was bizarre because you would expect them to kind of take some good parts of the Mercedes car and be like, okay, yeah, we can we can take these. We can do a little bit of tweaking here and there. We can paint the car green and go. <laughs> and it's kind of like they've done all of that, but they just didn't go. It was like there was just nothing. Like it was, 
all the hype disappeared. Imagine and if they were sandbagging. I think they might have mm. been. I think it felt like, you know, the whole time it was like, Sonoda, Red Bull looks yeah, so quick. Yeah. Alonso's back. And just <laughs> no one was talking about yeah. Aston Martin. They did some of the least mileage across the three days. Yep. They did have issues. That isn't a good sign. But we never saw them really put a lap in in anger. Out. Yeah. They, they didn't seem to do any kind of quality sims. Uh, Vettel, I think, admitted he's got a lot to learn. So mm. it's going to take him some time to get up to speed. Which, you know, I don't like to hear. I wanted them to be comfortable again, from day one. Be, uh, um, vocal sandbagging. It could be vocal sandbagging. Hey, I really would be surprised if they've suddenly lost all of that pace and potential. Yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about this this real, you know, closing up of that midfield where you've got McLaren, Alpine, Ferrari, Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, maybe even Williams, like all merging together, maybe they're going to start the season towards the back of that I pack. I I think so, but I'd like to. Th- I would like to see some development, and I think hopefully we'll also see the quality of Vettel because, like, I've been the first one to go after Vettel when he makes a mistake in the race because I kind of have enjoyed watching the Lewis versus Sebastian fight over the years, and obviously we know four-time world champion Vettel, yep, yeah. Four-time, yeah. Um, but obviously, when he started to make mistakes in Ferrari, I'm pro Mercedes, anti Ferrari. I love seeing that. But then it was also a little bit sad when you could <laughs> it was sad, wasn't hear it? him talking about how so quickly he can be forgotten about all of his achievements. Success, and obviously, at the end of last year as well, he had a couple of good races. There were a few things where I was like, oh, there's that, there's that world champion that I kind of feel bad about going after and like doing all of these bin emojis on like <laughs> So I feel like I was a little bit harsh, but I really hope that he succeeds in that team um, because I love Aston Martin. I think, yeah, it would be great to see Aston getting some success as a team and as a manufacturer. I I want to see Seb do what Schumacher did, which is build the team. I, yeah. I want him, and I feel like he's got it in him. Mm. I just hope he doesn't get frustrated and and annoyed and dis you know disheartened disheartened disheartened. Um, again, he's got to dominate Stroll. I mean, this is uh, the big yeah. thing, you know. He's got to dominate Stroll. Um, we're gonna see. It's gonna be a very interesting one. The one thing I'll say, I think it's the wrong green. I was I was I was gonna say that as yeah. part of the the, the build up of me talking about okay. Martin yeah, because yeah. there was so much excitement about what that car was gonna yeah. look like. All of the renders looked far better than what the cars actually. British racing out. green like, returns yeah. and it came as this weird metallic emerald yeah. that on track looks like the Mercedes. It's so dark. Yeah. Mm. So I was disappointed there with the at least it didn't end up being pink though. I mean, you know, it's good to have it but yeah, I would have liked a more a more olive green. Do you think that means now that everyone that orders an Aston Martin road car is gonna yep. go in that colour? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Including me. <laughs> I actually hope that their involvement this this involvement in the sport um will help their road cars. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean it feels like there's positivity around Aston, but Stroll's got a lot to figure out, as in big mm. big man stroll. Yeah. Um with, with what they're doing. Um but yeah, let's fingers crossed it's a good story mm. they go in the right direction that team as a team way back to the jordan years has always been the underdogs you yeah. know the punches above their weight and let's hope that continues because it'd be cool if it was aston martin that was getting podiums and the odd victory yeah. and things like that coming on to another great name within the sport mclaren mm. now could this be the year McLaren. Oh, well, uh, a y- the year of what? The return. Third? No, <laughs> a year? Yeah, most likely. <laughs> I wonder whether we could see a McLaren victory this year. Oh, that would be cool. So, you know, I think any fan of the sport 
McLaren's a weird one. I always feel like they're the Dick Dastly character. <laughs> you know, like like over the years, obviously we had the Senna years, amazing. And I'm sure there were some Hakkinen fans, but especially during the Mercedes era, they always felt like the sort of, you know, oh, the very yeah, serious yeah. and the robots. And they just, you know, um, and then they had their decline. And I think everyone, a bit like with Williams, went, oh, it's sad to see McLaren yeah, decline. It is, yeah, it was. It was just like a bit depressing. 14th, 15th, and it's like, that's not where they should be. It's not where they should be. And then the recent sort of, um, what would you call that? Climb? Re, re... Resurgence. Anyway, thank you. What a word. Phoenix of Formula One. There you go. It has been so <laughs> exciting, I think. Great yeah. to see. And Lando Norris, I think, you know, great character, but also really solidifying his potential mm. on track. Science has been doing some good results. And it's just felt like a lot of positivity. And now Danny Rick's finally made that move. Not only does it feel exciting, but boy, oh boy, did they have good testing. Yeah. Mercedes power unit back in the back of a McLaren. And Danny seemed to switch, like just slot straight into that car. He looked at ease in terms of body language, the way the car was performing. Obviously, it's, again, it's going to take him time to get the most out of it and to really learn it. It's only been three days. But I just, it just seemed to be a lot of positivity. And I think Ted Kravitz said it well, which was like, you don't want to be the champions of winter testing. Yeah. You don't want to be winter champions. Like, it's got to translate into the season. And I think they know that, you know, that Red Bull were still yet to find out and and Mercedes as well. There's still a lot of question marks. But to me, McLaren really looked uber competitive. I think they've got the team right. I think it's this is like the result or the product of everything behind the scenes working really well together. We obviously know that Lando and Danny Rick get on well, but I think Zach Brown as well plays a really good father figure and almost like... Um, Nur- not nurses and that's nurtures the nurtures. Yeah. nurtures the drivers but then it's the whole team i love following their their social medias mm-hmm. mclaren have the best social media within formula one like i just feel like you get the most access you feel like you know the personalities within the team well and they all get on so well like they win together they lose together i know lewis says that a lot but i feel like mclaren have that family feel and when you've got danny rick coming in who's just like this really like just the fun uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Lando will look up to him, but there will be that competitive edge. Because I, think I think uber competitive, I think. Yeah. I think they'll be very competitive with each other, which is good. I yeah. mean, that's great that's to see. Need. They're going to push each yeah. other forward. But I would expect, I mean, this is a, a bit like with the Leclerc science thing. If Norris matches Ricardo across the season, it's going to do a lot for the credibility of Lando Norris. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, a bit like with the Ocon... Uh, situation at Renault, I do expect that over a year and in the latter half of the year that Danny Rick will start to take strides forward. But as I say, from testing, unlike with the Renault, he never seemed to be able to get his braking right in the Renault for Danny Rick. There was something, a difference in his braking material or setup that just never seemed to gel from day one. He only seemed to really figure it out at the end of last year. He just looks so confident in that McLaren and and if I was Norris, I'd be a bit nervous by that. But let's wait and see. I think it's just because he's got a better company car. Yeah, probably. Now it's got an Artura, <laughs> one of the first Arturas, rather than a clear RS. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited by what McLaren might be able to do this year. Yeah. They had some great races last I year. I want to see them consistently on the podium. If Exactly, consistently on the podium. And if AlphaTauri and Racing Point stole victories last year, McLaren should be able to do yeah. it this year. I, I really think that's going to be the case. So, Red Bull. Red Bull. The first time, I think, in a long time that Red Bull probably came out of testing favourites. Yeah. Because we didn't see much from Mercedes and when we're going to try and not read too much into it. We never do, though. 
We never do. They've had plenty of years where they've been very dodgy in testing turn-ups for the first race and destroy everyone. <laughs> but I think, yeah, Red Bull... But Red Bull seems to take a big step forward from last year. And there's also many years where Red Bull is, they haven't quite figured it out and they're yeah. downplaying things. There was a lot of positive coming from the team. They did look rapid. They looked reliable. The car looked solid. Driver lineup. Oh, yeah. So talk to me about your feelings about old Sergio Perez. Oh, like, he is... He's a fan favourite. I just feel like... He plays everyone so well. He's this just loved guy that's been around for ages, super successful. We know how fast he is. And to see him get that chance again in the Red Bull car. Obviously, he had uh, some really good results last season in a very, very fast um, racing point. But I think giving him th this opportunity, I think, firstly, it's going to push Max even further, which I'm really excited about because I'm a big Max fan. Uh, but also, I think it's, giving him as uh, giving Perez confidence to actually go and get the results himself um, and almost prove himself because it was real touch and go as to whether he was going to get a seat this yeah. year. Um, so for him to land that Red Bull seat in such a competitive team, such a competitive car, I think they're going to get lots and lots of points as a constructor. Whether he's going to outperform Max, I don't think he will. Whether he's going to get close to outperforming Bottas is what I'm quite excited about. I think you make a good point. I think I think there's a few things to touch on there. I think, firstly, you mentioned earlier about Gasly and the pressure of Red Bull, and that's kind of what, what got to him. Oh, Perez would be fine with it. Well, I, I think even if you just saw his interviews, like, Perez has proven everything he needs to prove in that sport. Yeah. He is now a race winner, and he's definitely in the twilight of his career, maybe in the peak of his abilities, but... If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work yeah. out. And he was so close to disappearing from the sport anyway. He seems so relaxed. Yeah. And he's like, I'm here and yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super happy to have the opportunity. And it is what it is. I think the thing which we know about Perez, again, he is the most consistent man through a race, but also a season, yeah. a race weekend. And that I think is probably why Red Bull went, that's the route we're going to go. Because of these inconsistencies with Gasly and Albon over the last few years and not having someone there to step in when Max has an issue or something goes wrong and to be putting pressure on Mercedes. They need someone who's just always going to be there week in, week yeah, out. Yeah. And that's what Perez is going to do. I actually think he might be a bit of a Mark Webber to a Vettel where I actually think over a season, his consistency may put him in a position where he is leading or, or, or chasing the championship and putting that pressure on Verstappen. I think over a qualifying lap, over a race weekend, Verstappen will be quicker. Yeah. But I still, I, if I put Hamilton and Verstappen in the same car across a year, I would still say Hamilton because I don't know if Verstappen has the mental aptitude yet for a championship campaign. Yeah. We don't know. We haven't seen him yeah. yet, but there's still just, I think, chinks in the armour. I just think there's so much. I remember listening to a Lewis Hamilton podcast. I think it was... Is it behind the grid? I wish. And I could sue them. Beyond the grid. <laughs> beyond the grid. Sorry. I'm just so behind the glass. <laughs> um, and Lewis was touching on right at the end of the podcast where he's saying, it just takes everything out of you at the end of the season to push through and continue that consistency to win the championship. It's not just him, but it's everyone else around. And I think you're right. I think Max at the moment don't think he can compete with Lewis in that uh, mental strength. He hasn't had to. And stamina. He hasn't ha hasn't no. been under that sort of situation, under that pressure. And we saw even Hamilton, 2007, rookie year, all the sort of, you know, stuff that he had ahead of him to learn. 
he did crumble towards yeah. the end, you know, and we see it over and over again, even Button, you know, second half of his brawn year. You know, it's, it's a, if you haven't experienced it, I would imagine it's a huge amount of pressure. And, and I think Perez won't care about that pressure. Mm. That pre- Perez pressure. Uh, um, <laughs> it's going to be fascinating to see. I think the thing that I was going to go back against when you said about Gasly and pressure, I was speaking to, there was a Red Bull junior driver here uh, just before Christmas who had done some testing like actually. Formula One hub of the world. It, it, it is all <laughs> kicking off, Dan. Uh, who had been doing, who was at the young driver's test. And he said that inherently, and Perez has actually talked about this a lot now, so it's not a secret at all. That Red Bull is a very pointy, but very loose car. So the front end is super pointy and the rear is very skittish. Mm. And Verstappen is very happy driving like that. And Hamilton's talked previously about liking a lively car. And I think it's sometimes where we see when you watch Verstappen on a hot lap, it looks mega because the car looks like it's just darting around and moving around everywhere. So he enjoys driving a car on the edge. Gasly and Albon couldn't live like that. They couldn't get in that car. They wanted a much more stable car, much more solid car, which again, as someone like a button, much preferred a more solid car. So Perez has spoken a lot about the fact that he's having to change his driving style and adapt to it, and that it is a very pointed car, and so he's been very vocal. But I think given all of his experience, his abilities, his very laid-back nature, I think he's taking it in his stride of like, okay, yeah, interesting, like, cool. Whilst I think the, the Gasly's and the Albon's were under pressure, yes, but like, whoa, what is this? And Max is like, come on, pussies. Like, yeah, it's yeah, easy. Yeah. Like, yeah, keep so up. keep up. So I think that's where, again, he's got a better chance. So I do think it's a great move by Red Bull. I'm super intrigued. I'm super excited. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. I think they're in their strongest position going into a season to rival Mercedes. Yes, because coming on to Mercedes, it was a shocker. Mm. Now, look, as I say, if you haven't followed F1 for a, a very long time uh, and, and you sort of, you know, you're reading all these headlines or you're hearing us talk now and going, oh my God, like what's going on? As I say, testing doesn't mean anything. And Mercedes have had plenty of years where testing hasn't worked out for them and they've turned up and been super competitive. So little has changed between the years that it would be very unlikely for Mercedes having such a dominant car last year to now suddenly losing all of that pace. Really, the only thing which has been this change is the change in the floor, which is all about sort of rear downforce. They've taken a tiny section. If you saw a picture of it, you'd be like, how is that making such a big difference? But it does make a big difference to the, the downforce of the car. And every team has had to sort of adapt to this. And some people are saying, well, maybe Mercedes quite, you know, crazy floor. They've got this very wavy pattern to it and stuff like that. It's just the wrong direction. And maybe they've got it a little bit wrong. But it's not so wrong that like, their car's now two <laughs> seconds off the pace. Like They're not going to be at the back of the field. And they will rectify it very quickly. We've got two weeks before the first race. But inconsistency, unreliability, and the car looked like a dog. Yeah. Every time you saw clips of Hamilton, more than Bottas, the car was just sliding around everywhere, spinning, hard to control. He just looked unhappy in Mm. the car. So they've clearly, do you remember, when was it? Was it 2018 or 2019? I think in 2018, when it was a very specific window that the car operated in. And they always talked about being in that window. And there were weekends where they were just in or out and the car seemed very tricky for them to, to extract the maximum out of. And Lewis used to talk a lot about, oh, the car, we can't get it in the window this weekend or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I wonder whether that's the case with this latest car, that it's just the operating window is very small and they just haven't quite slotted into it yet. It's probably not the season to be going back to that window. No, I mean like, <laughs> but at the same time, there's also a part of me that thinks that Mercedes don't really care if they, if they put everything into 2022. Okay, we we might lose this one. Yeah, but Lewis will. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, fair. So if we're going to talk about Mercedes, let's talk about Lewis's year-long contract because he would not 
signed that if he didn't think he would get another world champion. Oh, yeah, but he hadn't driven the car by that point. No, but Toto would have to promise something <laughs> for them to... Because otherwise, this is the problem that we've talked about off-camera and WhatsApps all the time. That Lewis signing only a one-year contract really allows him to assess at the end of the season what he wants to do. If he was tying into another three-year contract... When you move into 2022 and all of these teams are also pushing for the new regulations, all of a sudden the car might not be as dominant. Therefore, Lewis as a talent and as a as an entity within Formula One is finishing his career not looking that dominant. And it might tarnish his success and, and legendary status. But I just don't think, I just can't see Mercedes not being dominant. They're going to be dominant. They're going to be... I mean, the worst case scenario is the first few races, they're just behind Red Bull. But across the season, they are challenging mm. for the championship. That's, that's not gone away. That We know that that's going to happen. Hey, heck, would it be exciting if it is yeah. genuinely a oh. fight? Like, I mean, brilliant. If it's, you know, going back to Red Bull and Mercedes, maybe even McLaren, like mm. actually challenging for the championship here. And Lewis has to finally step up and show us again, remind us all why he's a great yeah. champion and a great racer. Um like Turkey. Like in Turkey, exactly. <laughs> the one-year thing is, is yes. I mean, it's very interesting. There's so many things that may have got them to that point. Is he wanting to retire at the end of the year? You're right. Is he going to want to go out on a bang? Most successful driver of all time, I'm off. Yeah. Was it a money thing? What's going on with Toto? 2022 regs. There's so many mm. question marks there. I think they just want to get to the end of this season and assess everything. Yeah, and I but I think you've really come on something there, which is... He's not the kind of guy, I think, or driver who wants to dwindle away like a Kimi or a Vettel into some lower team. I think the guy would want to quit as yeah. the most successful ever. 100%. And I think going into 2022, I think in, I don't think he would change team. I just don't think he would. No. And so therefore, if he wins, the, it really reminds me of the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary on Netflix. <laughs> I think he thought, let's one last roll. Let's go yeah. for it. Let's see if we can get the eight. And then I'm done, guys. Yeah. And even if it's, I'm, maybe he's not saying I'm going to retire, but maybe he's going to take a few years out, whatever it might be, it would feel like the perfect and the right time. Yeah. Um, a heck of a career and going into this new era. What a nice time to bow out. Yeah. But the guy also might want 10 world championships. We just yeah, don't know. Yeah, I do think some mornings he wakes up thinking, I'm just going to go as far as I can. Because yeah. we hear it in the interviews that, that are just not necessarily involved for Formula One or on Formula One race weekends. It's like a magazine, a Vogue or whatever, because he is that A-list celebrity status where he will just talk about one day, yeah, I fancy 10. I might, yeah. I might go for 10. Yeah. I'm going to go for as long as I can. And then all of a sudden, I'll only sign a one-year contract just to see what happens. As I say, less financially... You know, I think that's sometimes his his playing card is if, you know, if Mercedes really, he said, well, fine, well, let's just do one year and then we'll figure yeah, it out at yeah. the end of the year. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I would love it to be one of the most competitive seasons we've seen yet. It, it should be because it's, there haven't been huge changes. It allows everyone to bunch up. Also allows Mercedes to move even further forward. <laughs> it's, so, it's heating up nicely. It's heating up nicely. Um, let's hope that COVID doesn't interfere too much. I do think we're going to see some changes to the calendar some races getting cancelled some drivers missing races and things like that it's gonna happen but fingers crossed we get as good a season as we got last year oh that'd be awesome that would be awesome and also potentially an opportunity to actually attend oh races. my god don't get ahead of ourselves oh. come on <laughs> so as we've done in previous years when we've done stuff on seeing through glass or even here on the podcast 
I want your predictions because I need from you a top three in the Drivers' Championship. Top three Drivers' Championship. Should have thought about this on the way down, thinking that you were going to ask me this question. It's got to be Lewis at the top. I would love to see Max second. I would love to see... Mm, I, would, I would like to see Leclerc third, but I don't think I don't think Ferrari are up there. I... My dream third would be Danny Rick. Just because I'm a big McLaren fan, big Danny Rick fan, to see them there or thereabouts. I think I'd prefer to see Danny Rick succeed that much than Perez, just purely because of the team that he's driving for. Lewis, Max, Danny Rick. Okay, so I'll go Lewis, Max, Perez. Okay. It's just, I've played it safe. It's not what I, not what I want, but I've, yeah, I've played well, it safe. What do you want, Sam? <laughs> I don't Schumacher. know. Literally. <laughs> so there we have it. Our F1 season preview, or the F1 season preview of this new series on Behind the Glass, which I'm going to think of up a name or four and create a new <laughs> intro before the first race of the season. But so I was just frothing at the mouth to talk about all things F1. I hope you found it interesting or you've enjoyed it. Um, the next episode, I say, will come out the Monday after the Bahrain Grand Prix. So the Grand Prix will be on the Sunday and on Monday, the next episode with probably a different guest. But if none of them are available, Paul will be back because <laughs> he's, always, he's always available. <laughs> um, so yes, make sure to subscribe, turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. Uh, if you're listening, of course, keep following us on whatever platform and do not worry, regular episodes with, yes, that awful man, Tony from Gravel Car Sales, will be back later in the week and we'll still continue. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.